Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 29 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, I'm the director of Seven Positive, and I'm passionate about bringing the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today we're speaking with Arno van Alström. Amongst his many roles in the design, education, and startup sectors, Arno is senior partner and founder of Design Thinkers Group, and founder and facilitator at Design Thinkers Academy. Design Thinkers Group is a global agency represented in 18 countries who train, develop and facilitate creative multidisciplinary teams and communities to drive positive change. Arnold's also co-authored This Is Service Design Thinking and featured on the Design the New Business documentary. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss how Arnold believes design thinking can be used to create positive social change, along with some case studies and real examples. We'll get some insights and thoughts from Arno about origins of design thinking and what he thinks the future holds. And along the way, Arno is sure to share some inspirational initiatives and tips that you could perhaps apply to your own projects. Arno, thank you very much for joining us. Ah, thank you for having me. Great to be here on the, on the podcast. Excellent. So to kick things off, could you please share a little bit about your background and what led you into the world of design thinking? Ah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of backstory is that I, I come from a very creative family of artists and designers. And so it was always kind of in the stars, so to speak, that I was going to be doing something creative. Yeah. But I'm also dyslectic. Uh, and, uh, and I'm really stubborn. So I didn't want my school to know that I had dyslexia. Uh, so they thought I was really stupid. Um, basically, I think. <laughs> At least I, I, I didn't have a really good relationship with them. Yeah. Um, it led to me really disliking school, which meant that I, I, I studied uh, you know, at many schools, universities, but I never finished any of them. Mm. Um, I love learning, but uh, I, I, I couldn't really, uh, I'd never fit it into any of these systems. I always feel, felt awkward and, and always trying to felt like I had to rebel against it, yeah. um, whether I was right or not. But that sort of was sort of, it's been my kind of situation. And mm. actually, from there on, I've always kind of been, you know, wandering around from really creative work by being a photographer, uh, trying to be an artist, uh, being a musician, uh, doing theater, but yeah. also working for a telco and communications, um, working for agencies. So I work for creative agencies. So my uh, my previous, uh, before Design Thinkers Group and Academy, I was the creative director at a communication design agency. Yeah. But at the same time, I was also doing a comedy, so st- a stand-up comedy, which, <laughs> which, which really helps, actually. Well, it's a real, it's a real blend of creative roles. 
Absolutely. And and so, you know, although my parents weren't really worried about me, <laughs> I don't know why, but they should have been. <laughs> but uh, uh, the thing is that when people say, how do you, you know, how, you know when do you start becoming interested in, in design thinking? And, and I think a lot of people will recognize this, uh, saying, you know, I, I think I've been doing that all, all the time and it's, yeah. it's nothing new. I mean, it's more like, hey, it has a name. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. But, you know, I always, I always say, like, I, I was there all the time. The world kind of changed towards me. You know, yeah. all of a sudden it was really hip and happening to sort of not fit in. And uh, I wasn't fitting in, you know, my whole life I was I didn't fit in. And all of a sudden now it's like, oh, that's really out of the box. You know? it's, yeah. <laughs> all right. That's fine. So, <laughs> so it's, it's sort of like that. And I, design thinking to me was sort of uh, a liberation. It was sort of saying, hey, you can be all those things. And you can use all those levers. You can be, you know, you can, you can be multidimensional as a person. You don't have mm-hmm. to fit into a box. Actually, it's really cool that, you know, use all those skills that you have. Yeah. I hope that's an answer, by the way. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's a really interesting story. So can you please tell us a little bit more about the Design Thinkers Group and Academy then? And what are you doing there? What are the aims and purposes of these groups? Yeah, so we founded Design Thinkers over 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, at this time, design thinking didn't really mean anything to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like I said previously, I, I you know, to me, I, I heard something about design thinking probably like 40, 14 years ago. Yeah. And, 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 and like I said, there was sort of, for me, it was like, oh, wait a minute, there's this thing that's in between all these, you know, these boxes, basically. Yeah. And it's gray air. You don't have to be a... MBA business linear person uh, without being also a creative lateral thinker. I mean, you can you can actually do both. You know, you can be mm. you can switch between roles or blend them or what have you. And uh, I thought, oh, wow, that's fantastic. So I started doing that. But the first thing that I so I started design thinkers with Mario Stein. She was a colleague of mine at my previous agency, yeah. and uh, we basically said, so if you start a company. Uh, now you know you can you know nothing's there yet is is a white piece, white piece of paper. What would you do? Mm. And we said, okay, what is the thing that I really, really, really think is important and I really love to do? Well, I want to I want to be challenged. I want to grow as a person. You know what? Yeah. You know I think work should be part of my my journey, my personal journey. The the the, the idea of work life and and private life. Being separated, I think that's all. at first of all, it's a lie. That doesn't really, it's not really true. Mm. It doesn't really, really exist because that, that's nonsense. Yeah. These two things should align. So, okay, fine. So it, it should help me grow. The other thing is that I like to work with people that inspire me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I want to work with people that that I, I want to be. I want to be able to meet people and say, "Wow, these people are really cool. Let's let's do something together." So have that that freedom. And and, then, and and um yeah, we didn't really find anything else that we really wanted to do. Uh, so you know, we wanted to do great projects with nice people, basically. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, that's not really. That is that it? Yeah. Well, we want to. And the other, the third thing, obviously, really important, uh, but very naive, is we want to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say naive. People said that's you know I said this uh, the other day at a conference and people said uh, that's not naive. You, we can change the world. I said yeah, but I, I don't mean naive in a negative way. I mean that if you are naive, it means everything's possible. Mm. Um, if you otherwise, you know, you, you you might be cynical or skeptical, but I I rather be naive. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I say let's go and, and just try. 
you know, we'll see. Uh, it's probably impossible, but let's just be naive about it. So, so these three things, you know, making the world a better place, working with people that inspire me, doing great project that, that helped me grow as a, as a person. Mm. That was the foundation of what we were trying to do. And this led to us saying, okay, so if we want to do anything around design thinking uh, or service design or innovation, human-centric uh, innovation, yep. we have to practice what we preach. Mm. And I, all this thinking led to us becoming a network, saying we have to be around network. I don't want to be a manager anymore. I don't want to be in a, in a traditional uh, setting. Uh, I've been I've been doing that. I don't want that. I want to be in a network of people. So all our teams are our, our peers. They are our, our family. Mm. Um, I'm not their boss. Uh, I founded it. So it kind of gives me a leadership role if you will, yep. but all the teams in all the different countries, they are, it's not a franchise. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, a system that works on trust. Mm. Um, and I will, it's, there's another very simple idea where we say, listen, if I create value for my team in Brazil, let's say, yep. they are going to create value for me mm. somehow. It's not direct. It might not be immediately, but I will, they will, if I help them, they will help me. Not the other way around. So it's not like I want something from them yep. and then I might give them something back. No, no. It's the other way around. Mm. I, I, I create value for them. They'll create value for me somehow. And yep. it's this trust that, that is kind of our currency. Mm, fantastic. So all of this really runs around the central theme of design thinking. So what exactly, in your words, is design thinking and what are its origins? I said before, like you know, there was nothing new about this uh, to, to 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 me and to a lot of people. We're saying, hey, I, I haven't been we've been doing this. Um, yeah, yeah. So so basically, the the idea is that we as human beings are all creative problem solvers. Mm. We are. This is this is in our nature. Um, if you're not a creative problem solver, I mean, you, you you're not gonna you know. So people who are who are not as talented as other people in doing this, they struggle. Mm. In society, in life, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But we are, we are creative problem solvers. Mm. We have to solve problems all the time. But, and I think uh, uh, this is, a, you know, a known fact is that children basically start out being geniuses yeah. <laughs> at lateral, lateral thinking. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, in creating, they're all, they all think they're artists and creatives. And, uh, and they are my son. He's, he's, he's five years old. You know, yeah. anything you draw is, you know, he thinks it's amazing and, and, mm. and it's fantastic. And he says, look, I, it's an elephant and it, and it, it's an elephant. And, but my daughter, she's 10 and she's insecure, totally insecure. Mm. You know, she, she will say, I can't draw an elephant. I can't do it. No, mm. no, I can't do it. Sorry. So the difference, you know, these couple of years is what's the difference? It's school. It's, a, it's school. It's it's being uh, it's being tested over and over again. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, it, 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 right or wrong. You know, is it right? Is it right? So, so this idea of us as as, as kids being kind of taught out of create being creatives turn into these linear thinkers mm. where there's only one answer to the, to the question and you cannot make mistakes because yeah. that is not no you know playing is different than learning you know mm. it's things like that like yeah. you know, we, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. so so the origin of design thinking is not in the words design thinking i mean the origin it's there it's in us right yeah. the words however 
the words like lean startup, like agile development, like service design, like I, I know uh, service dominant logic, like uh, I don't know. There's so many of these yeah. these kind of buzzwords floating around. There's a point. There's a reason why they are emerging now, and design thinking is one of those. You know, it's a it's a language. Language helps us uh, express something, yeah. and, and and I I for me all these words are a cry for help. It's like help us do things differently. We can't. We cannot go on the way we're we were going on. Things are changing. Uh, we don't know how to fix things uh, with the way we've been thinking about it. You yeah. know, the way we have tried to solve problems in our companies, in our in our governments, in our uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So we need something different. And from all different angles, from marketing, from from within uh, IT, from in from in design, from from within uh, you know all these different angles, mm-hmm. they use try to kind of found their words, trying to find a language and a, a, a jargon to express. You know, we need to look at people, and we yeah. need to be able to make uh, enable ourselves to make mistakes. Create an environment, a safe place where we can make mistakes. Because if we can't make mistakes, we'll never learn anything new. Mm. Um, we, we all know. So basically, common sense. <laughs> so this, I think, to me, most of it is common sense. It's yeah. just like, all right, yeah. If you can't fall down, you know, you can't really learn to do anything new. Ah, uh, you can't ride a bicycle if you can't fall down. It's impossible. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's logic. So so I think that that's what it's all about. That's where it's like. So then what happened is that people started planting flags, and and because you know you know all of a sudden service design is something different than design thinking is something different than uh, agile is something or or lean yeah. startup or you know and then people started to want to own sort of this space because we're called design thinkers, my company. Uh, you can say, yeah, you were doing the same thing. You're kind of, you know, you, you jumped on the bandwagon, you called yourself uh, design thinkers. But that was never meant to, because when we started doing that, uh, you know, uh, I think I, I registered that name uh, 12 years, for 13 years ago. Yeah. It wasn't there. It didn't exist. So we were like, oh, now I would never call ourselves design thinkers. <laughs> That's really weird. That's really weird. Mm. But, you know, but it did help us. So. Anyway, so so to me, it's just it's 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 language, and language is a it's either a bridge or a barrier. Yeah. And 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 it's supposed to be a bridge. So I'm really getting a bit upset with um, the the whole movement around, uh, you know, people trying to own this space and trying to say, you know, we're doing uh, we're doing lean startup. You know, it's completely completely different than yeah. than what people are doing who are doing whatever mm. scrum or. Or, or, or service design. Or, I like design thinking because it gives me the freedom. It's a mindset. For me, it means I am open. I want to understand the question, and then I'll look for the, the methods, the tools, the yeah. whatever I need, fix it. Yeah. So design thinking is, is asking the right question and then looking for method. And I don't care if it's Six Sigma, I, oh, you know, or or it's 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 service design, or yeah. wherever I, you know, the world is a toolkit. You know, there's mm. so many tools, so many methods, so many things I can use. Yeah. So again, uh, design thinking is freedom. I think that's a really nice summary, Arne. So in your work, then as a consultant and facilitator, and from the various projects that you've worked on, what are some of those typical challenges that you have experienced, and how do you work around them? Well. The biggest problem is uh, not knowing where you're going to end up. Mm-hmm. So at the start of a project. Yeah. So to me, that's the one 
biggest problem in in in, in most of the projects that we uh, that we work in, mm. because we're not uh, comfortable with what in innovation you would call the fuzzy front end. Yeah. So this is the falling down part, right? This is where you know you can't learn anything new if you, if you cannot make any mistakes. Mm. You can't experiment. If you cannot, you know, it's not a, you know, you cannot prototype if you're not allowing the prototype to fail. Yeah. You know, then you, that's just a proof. You're trying to prove a point. You're trying to sell your idea. Yeah. Yeah. So the, this, this fuzzy front end, and I always say, you know, if you feel really comfortable at the beginning of a project, you know, when you're starting, you're doing your research and stuff, stuff like that, mm. something's wrong, something's wrong, <laughs> you know, it, you know, if it doesn't hurt, if it doesn't hurt, you're not innovating. Yeah. That's it's basically, you know, the rule of thumb. You know, if if you feel, you know, really happy about things and it's really going well, you're, you're fine. You know, alarm bells should sound yeah. because you're doing the same. Because you you're doing the same thing you've been doing before. Yeah. Right. So that's because you you recognize it mm. as a good idea. You say, "Wow, that's a really good idea," because it fits within your frame of thinking. It's it fits with you know your context and, and the things you understand. Yeah. But actually. It's it's not so so th- so that is that is the other the big 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 problem. Uh, the other problem is empathy, mm. which kind of you know it's connected obviously to this fuzziness because the way I look at the world and what I see is not what you see. You know, it's not. It's different. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> here we go and say, ah, all right. So we have to build empathy. We have to start looking through the eyes of the end user. You know, uh, you know, step into their shoes. You know, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, all right, it's great, and I think yes, yes, you should, and you should, you should, you should, you should get as close to, um, to 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 your stakeholders or you know, the people that you're actually working with as possible to really start understanding them. Mm. Of course, you should. But what happens is that we create from that data, we create personas, for yep. instance, and that becomes a poster on our wall. And and actually, we actually what I think is that you cannot really, uh, really look through the eyes of someone else because it's all you always take your own context, mm. you always you know your story, your history, your your biases. Yeah, yeah. You take that with you. So it's good to do it, but only to enable yourself to actually co-create with these people. Yeah. To co-create your end users, to be able to speak their language, to start kind of have a conversation with them. And so this is also another challenge that you know people don't want to get out. They don't want to, you know, if we work with, especially in corporates and in governments, you know, taking them out to meet real people, just on the street, let's go and do some some interviews. This yeah. scares them. Yeah. And yeah. and that's the other thing. You know, you're so again, you know, if it doesn't hurt, you're doing something wrong. So go go out. You know, it's uncomfortable, but once you've done it. I know for a hundred percent of the time, once people have done it, you know they 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 get back and they'll and they'll say, "Wow, that was amazing! I actually I learned so much." Yeah. You know, and yeah. uh, so so don't stay in your bubble. Mm. Um, it feels feels like a safe space. It is it is a safe space. It's the safe space where you're going to do the same thing over and over again. Yeah. But it's not where you're going to find new things. I think that's some really really great insights. So what do you believe then are some of these essential tools? I mean, you've spoken about personas, for example, but what are some of these other tools that you think design thinkers uh, or people who use these processes uh, could be using, especially when they're working with disadvantaged communities? I think that 
you know, like I said, you know, there are so many tools. The world is 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 a, is a huge toolbox. Yeah. You know, there's so many tools out there that you can use. So the point usually is that first you have to ask, you know, what is the question? Yeah. Um, what is the actual issue? Start understanding, and then then you look for tools. Um, mm. So tools are there to help you. Uh, you know, it's not uh, uh, here's a hammer and now you know try and find some nails. Yeah. No, yeah, it's like what? What is? Do I need a hammer? No. Um, but if a tool helps you have a really rich conversation with your, or, you know, the people that you're trying to do, help or serve, um, I think that's great. So tools we use often are think, you know, like personas, building personas, uh, because it helps you challenge your biases. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it helps you helps you look, kind of look for patterns of behavior. You know, mm. and look at <clears throat> instead of uh, it, it kind of helps you escape. Uh, from the marketing thinking, so the yep. uh, idea of target audiences and stuff like that, and, and profiles. No, mm. it's about patterns, of, patterns of behavior. Uh, the other thing is, for instance, uh, journey mapping, because it's storytelling. I like stories, and journey mapping is a story. Uh, someone going through a a journey, uh, be it from um, uh, the perspective of them using a service or just going through life or what have you, but. But, but journey mapping is a tool that we probably always use to really start understanding these patterns mm. of behavior as well and, and looking at and understanding pain points. Uh, another thing is that I, I really like understanding systems. So uh, I, I want to understand the, the um, let's say, the, 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 the ecosystem or the, yep. the value network yep. <laughs> uh, of, of people. So because they're, nobody's isolated. Mm. So... And if you want to solve something, you have to understand how value flows through a system, yeah. uh, and who are the players, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So mapping that system is, is, I think, really powerful. But mainly doing it with the people, you know, with those people, with yeah. the people that you're trying to help, you know, involve them in it because it's that conversation while you know uh, mapping all these things while starting to kind of build these. Uh, these maps and journey maps uh, that actually it's the conversation that you're having it's that's going to really help you uh, yeah. later on because then I'll send oh yeah right remember this person was saying this and this and oh yeah and it's it's it, that's that's basically where empathy is mm. really important you start kind of understanding that they probably won't understand it let's go back to them or or uh, you know you, you see if you can put faces to these stories yeah um, so I think those are, I mean, there's so many tools uh, that we use, but journey mm. mapping, uh, you know, st- mapping stakeholders or value network uh, and, and uh, personas are yeah. a really good start. Yeah, fantastic. So for all of the budding social entrepreneurs and, and budding social innovators and, and people who really want to get out there and make some change, those that are, that are listening in that boat who have an idea but want to take that idea and convert it into action and start to create impact, what advice would you give to them in order to get that initiative started? Um, the one thing that I always say to uh, startups and, and um, people who are, are kind of starting out with an idea yeah. is that if you don't have a purpose, it's going to be really difficult to to have sort of a sustainable model. Mm. Let me explain. So, for example, I was talking to this startup, I was, I was kind of mentoring this startup uh, in Mexico, and they had developed some uh, tools, some technology basically to purify water. Yep. 
and they were talking about the you know explaining to me how it worked etc et because and, and basically there's you know there was aimed at uh, communities where they had uh, we didn't have enough fresh water mm. and uh, uh, but you know and there's they kept talking about uh, their technology how unique it was and great really yeah. I, you know, I mean I'm not I'm not that smart so I you know they were a lot smarter than I was so I said so all right fine technology look it sounds good to me you know it works <laughs> yeah. it works fine great right. great right, right. but uh, what why are you doing this and uh, and they said uh, well because uh, we don't, it's not there yet uh, we see there's a market uh, you know I think there's a lot of need in uh, you know in, in, in Mexico in their case but also around the world mm-hmm. I said yeah, yeah it's fine but there's markets everywhere I mean this you know there's you, know, you can do, you can do anything yeah. really but why this and they, and they started talking to each other like um, I don't know what does he mean you know <laughs> because it starts with, with one of them he came from a poor area in Mexico and 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 uh, there was not enough fresh water and it led to all kinds of uh, problems uh, health yeah. problems etc et and he said I really want to help I, I think that I, I you know that's something. I said hey this is interesting that's a great story mm-hmm. because actually because water purification is just one of the things that you can do. Yeah. You know, when you actually, but when your purpose is there to kind of help these communities with uh, creating a better life, you know, uh, which, which, you know, so it could be around health, healthier uh, water, food, et cetera, et cetera. Because what it means is that you become more flexible, sustainable in the sense that it's it's your ideas bigger than your product. You mm. are not your technology. You are more than that. So if government, because one of the things they were afraid of, that government would say, "Hey, that's a great idea. Let's just steal it," yeah. uh, you know, and then you're gone because you're all, you are your technology. But when you are about something bigger, when you are about a a, a movement, for instance, yeah. you can do more than just. The, in this case, water purification. You can do many things. And you can also collaborate. Just start saying, hey, wait a minute, there's other, because we found other startups who were doing similar things, but then more around uh, sewage or, or, or waste or et cetera, et cetera. And yeah. I said, you, should, you can collaborate with these people because you have the same purpose. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I can connect I can connect to this. I can I can say, that's, I want to help them. Because yeah. that, that, that for me was like, oh, I thought the technology was fine, but I didn't really... I, I, I didn't know it was unique or anything. I didn't know. I had no clue. But yeah. when they started talking that way, you know, about why they were doing it, I thought, that's really cool. I'm going to help you guys. Mm. That'd be awesome. If you can even, you know, if you can help, you know, just a couple of towns, you know, with, with more fresh water uh, and, and, and help them with their health problems, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That'd be so cool. Mm. So I think that really, really started thinking about your purpose and your purpose it should be something bigger than your product. Yeah. That's the one thing because it helps you make decisions later when things co- get tough. Yeah. When you when when your technology doesn't work or you're outdated, uh, because that's going to happen really quick. Mm. Uh, and then you have to make a choice: Are we going to go to the left or to the right? Yeah. What fits with your with your purpose? And and if you then you know you can say okay, so we have to go to the left because that fits with our purpose. And nobody will ask you, why did you do that? You said, no, because that's what we are. That's what we are about. You, you know, everybody who will work with you and your, your, your customers and answers, they'll understand why you act in a certain way. So this leads to a strong brand mm. because a brand is, this brand is not your logo. It's, you know, it's, it's your purpose and how you actually execute, how you act, how you behave. Yeah. 
and that helps you get people in. If you want, if you need to hire people, you can you can hire the right people. Yeah. Um, it, it helps you also keep those people in because they understand why they work there. They understand why you make decisions. They know understand the purpose, etc., etc. Et so mm. don't make the mistake of 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 trying to play business. You know, act like like you think you're supposed to act because it's, it looks like all companies sort of act in a certain way, you know, don't do that. Don't, don't go there. Don't start hiring people because you think you need to hire people because companies hire people. Yeah. There are always other scenarios, other models, mm. you know, so start with purpose and then build from purpose. You know, it's understand what, what you are about and then use that as your blueprint, as your foundation basically to build whatever you want to be, want to build. I think that's some, some fantastic advice. I don't know, you, you travel quite a bit and you know, you've, you've spent a lot of time in different countries around the world. So which countries do you believe are really leading the charge when it comes to some really interesting social innovation or, or design initiatives that are being used to tackle some of the world's biggest issues? And are you able to perhaps name a couple of initiatives that you find inspiring? Um. Uh, so the first question, the countries, um, uh, I find it difficult to answer um, because there's so many countries. Yeah. I haven't been to all of them, and 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 usually the answer would be the country leading in this area is the country where I am not, because in every country people think they're behind, <laughs> and they think another you know another country is way ahead of them. Yeah. That's usually the story. So it's just like, you know, is that the grass is always greener on the other side? That's when, right. that, when actually, often I think, wow, you know. So people in New Zealand, for instance, mm. would tell me, like, yeah, you know, we're so far away, we're so disconnected. And, you know, in Europe, they're so much, you know, more advanced in design thinking, service design. And, yeah. But then they start telling me all these government initiatives and stuff they do. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, that's not happening here. <laughs> so, <laughs> So I don't know. It's difficult to judge, but I I really 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 uh, am intrigued by what's happening in uh, in Scandinavia and specifically Finland and, mm. and, and some, to some extent uh, Sweden. Yeah. Uh, so in education, for instance, you know, mm. yeah, innovating education in Finland, I think they're they're world leaders there. Mm. They really understand understanding that you have to kind of change education, change the way you educate children. Yeah, you know, to really change society, culture, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. So I think they are, uh, to me, uh, they are a big example of, of how to uh, change the, the culture of a country, the, the yeah. whole social fabric of a country by 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 positive change in education, and mm. and and they're very advanced there. The other thing, um, another example, I would like to. Uh, names. Uh, so I was in Ghana the other the other day, and um, I, I met uh, an entrepreneur. Uh, he was training uh, cocoa farmers to use design thinking, mm-hmm. and he was uh, hired by a company. Uh, it's, a, it's a Dutch uh, company, chocolate company, called Tony, and they they create uh, cho- chocolate bars, Tony Chocoloni, which they they try to make the, the chocolates slave free. Which is it's like what you mean, like actual. Slavery, mm. uh, because they started like year years ago, and and they really opened the eyes of a lot of people, saying, "What, you know, they're still using slavery? Yes, uh, yes, that that's not an outdated concept. That's actually quite, that's you know, it's that is now, 
And uh, so they started out uh, uh, trying to become slave-free, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and uh, they started producing uh, uh, so chocolate. Uh, and then they also discovered that actually it wasn't possible to be totally slave-free. So they basically uh, charged themselves. So uh, they they went to court saying that they needed to, because they were using slaves, so they wanted the court's ruling on this, on that they were actually guilty of using slavery themselves. Mm. So <laughs> it's a complicated story. <laughs> anyway, wow. But it was what it was fantastic because, you know, everyone's like, wow, they're doing what? Because, you know, they were guilty of using slavery. Anyway, so there's, you know, it became this whole television program and et cetera, et cetera. But they, they, they are really, really doing this, exposing themselves by exposing this whole thing. Mm. Uh, they made it transparent. Uh, they also became a very popular brand, so mm. they're very successful business-wise. Yeah. Um, and then I met this guy in Ghana who's training these cocoa farms to use design thinking. <laughs> so mm. I was like, that is so cool. <laughs> yeah. You know? And yeah, and and I think I actually think that countries like Ghana and uh, Nigeria uh, are going to surprise us. Mm. You know, they're going. You know, us. I mean here in the West, in Europe, they're going to really, really surprise us. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I meet a lot of creative thinkers in Europe, but, you know, in Africa, I, their energy, their uh, outlook on life, their ability for, for problem solving, for creative problem solving, it, it's, it's, I think they're more they're advanced than, than we are. Mm-hmm. And the, the way they use technology uh, sometimes is, is, is amazing. So I'm inspired by the way they kind of, tackle things and take on things and like i said the, uh, you know earlier in our conversation where we would uh, you know i was there for a conference and you know it was so amazing the energy of people in Accra, and it's so amazing to see how many people showed up and i and i thought like, I, if i try this in the netherlands that's kind of you know it's going to take a lot more work to really get that amount so many people out to a conference um so i you know I'm inspired by uh, by, by by Africa, mm. um, as as I'm also uh, inspired by like Brazil, and I think it has something to do with the fact that their people are really you know somewhere there's a sense of it can't get any worse. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Like you know, um, and here in Europe we have this feeling it cannot get any better. <laughs> mm. We have to hold on to what we have, build a wall. Build yeah. a wall around this thing, you know, because yeah, keep yeah. everyone out. And there they're like, it can't get any worse. The future is ours. It's only going to get better. Mm. And it is. And, yeah. You know, if we look back in 50 or maybe even 20 years' time, uh, we'll see that Africa and countries like Brazil, especially West Africa, and, and, and um, you know, they are going to move quickly i think even though the oil oil prices are but you know it's there's all kinds of reasons why they have uh, problems still but still i think uh, if you look for inspiration uh, look at uh, look at uh, ghana look at uh, nigeria look at uh, brazil mm. i think that's a really really interesting perspective so to finish off then arna could you please recommend a few great books that you think would inspire our listeners yes uh, so there's actually two two books that I would recommend. One is called Thinking Fast and Slow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and the other uh, is, and it's top of my mind, but the other is uh, Fooled by Randomness. 
Mm. They, they don't talk about design thinking, obviously, but they do. Yeah. Actually, they actually do. <laughs> so, but but because they because they don't do. I mean, they don't, they're not there to kind of uh, make you feel comfortable and and kind of tell you what you've been thinking all along anyway. Mm. But they take a little different especially Fooled by Randomness is amazing because it shows you the power of serendipity and it, and it challenges you as well thinking, you know, anyway. So so I think that as a, specifically for, for entrepreneurs, these books are great. Obviously, um, this service design uh, uh, thinking uh, is still a quite interesting book because it's full of great tools, but um, there's going to be a new book out uh, called uh, This is Service Design Doing. Mm. It's going to be out right after summer. It's going to be a, um, that's a new book full of case studies um, uh, from the community of service design people, design thinking people. Yeah. So it's, it's also a great list of names uh, to then start, uh, you know, uh, have coffee with yeah. and talk to. <laughs> so uh, although I'm not a really big fan of books about design thinking and service design because it's, we're like you know, it's the usual suspects yeah, trying yeah. to prove how cool they are, and 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 it's case studies, and you'll never hear about all the problems that went on mm. while doing projects. Uh, it's never as smooth as the case study. Yeah. Uh, so I'm a big fan of these books, but uh, but I think that one is worth uh, checking out. Excellent. Well, I think there's some really really good inspiration there for us all. So I really, really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for your generous insights and we'll look forward to touching base with you in the future. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.